0: Chapter Twelve of The Mystery of the Ravenspurs by Fred M. White. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Twelve: Geoffrey is put to the test. The house was quiet at last. When these mysterious things had first happened, fear and alarm had driven sleep from every eye and many was the long night the whole family had spent huddled around the fire till grey morn chased their fears away. But as the inhabitants of a beleaguered city learned to sleep through a heavy bombardment, so had the Ravenspurs come to meet these horrors with grim tenacity. They were all upstairs now, behind locked doors, with the hope that they might meet again on the morrow only geoffrey was up waiting for his uncle ralph he came at length so noiselessly that geoffrey was startled and motioned to him that he should follow him without a word they crept like ghosts along the corridor until they reached a room with double doors at the end of the picture gallery generations ago this room had been built for a ravenspur who had developed dangerous homicidal mania and in this room he had lived virtually a prisoner for many years. After they had closed the two doors, a heavy curtain was drawn over the inner one, and Ralph fumbled his way to the table and lighted a candle. Now we can talk, he said quietly, but not loud. Understand that the matter is to be a profound secret between us, and that not a soul is to know of it not even Vera.' "'I have already given my promise,' said Geoffrey. "'I know. Still, there is no harm in, again, impressing the fact on your mind. Geoffrey, you are about to see strange things, things that will test your pluck and courage to the uttermost.' Geoffrey nodded. With the eagerness of youth, he was ready. "'I will do anything you ask me,' he replied. "'I could face any danger to get at the bottom of this business.' "'You're a good lad. "'Turn the lamp down very low and then open the window. "'Have you done that?' "'Yes, I can feel the cold air on my face.' Ralph crossed to the window and, putting out his hand, gave the quaint, mournful call of the owl there was a minute's pause and then came the answering signal a minute or two later and a man's head and shoulders were framed in the open window geoffrey would have dashed forward but ralph held him back not so impatient he said this is a friend geoffrey asked no questions though he was puzzled to know why the visitor did not enter the castle by the usual way at Ralph's request he closed the window and drew the heavy curtains and the lamp was turned up again my nephew said Ralph a fine young fellow and one that you and I can trust geoffrey this is my old friend Sergius Tchigorsky geoffrey shook hands with tchigorsky to his intense surprise He saw the face of the stranger was disfigured in the same way as that of his uncle. Conscious that his gaze was somewhat rude, he looked down. Tchigorsky smiled. Very little escaped him, and to him the young man's mind was as clear as a brook. "'My appearance startles you,' he said. SOME DAY YOU WILL LEARN HOW YOUR UNCLE AND MYSELF CAME TO BE BOTH DISFIGURED IN THIS TERRIBLE WAY. THAT SECRET WILL BE DISCLOSED WHEN THE HORROR THAT HAUNTS THIS HOUSE IS LIFTED. WILL IT EVER BE LIFTED, SIR? Geoffrey ASKED. WE CAN DO SO AT ANY TIME, CHIGORSKY REPLIED IN HIS DEEP VOICE. You may be surprised to hear that we can place our hand on the guilty party at a moment's notice and bring the offender to justice. Your eyes ask me why we do not do so instantly. We refrain, as the detectives refrain from arresting one or two of a big gang of swindlers, preferring to spread their nets till they have them all in their meshes. There are four people in this business, and we must take the lot of them or there will be no peace for the house of Ravenspur you follow me perfectly geoffrey replied an enemy so marvelously clever must not be treated lightly do you propose to make the capture tonight ralph ravenspur laughed it was not a pleasant laugh and was mirthless his scarred face was full of scornful amusement "'Not tonight, or tomorrow night, or for many nights,' he said. "'We have all the serpent wisdom of the old world against us, the occult knowledge of the East allied to the slippery cunning that Western education gives. There will be many dangers before we have finished, and the worst of these dangers will fall upon you.' Ralph brought his hand down with a sudden clap on his nephew's shoulders. Tchigorsky regarded him long and earnestly, as if he would read his very soul. "'You will do,' he said curtly. "'I am satisfied you will do, and I never made a mistake in my estimate of a man yet. Ravenspur, are you ready?' "'Aye, aye. I have been ready this long time. The lamp was extinguished, and list slippers were donned, and with no more provisions than a box of wax matches, they left the room. Instructed by Ralph Ravenspur, they fell behind him, each holding by the coat tail of the other. Down the corridor they went, down the stairs, along stone-flagged passages, until they reached the vast series of cellars and vaults over which the castle was built. There were many of these with twists and turns and low passages. The place was large enough to conceal a big force of troops. And yet, though it was pitchy dark and intricate as a labyrinth, the blind man made no error. He did not hesitate for a moment. Well as Geoffrey imagined that he knew the castle... He was fain to confess his utter ignorance alongside the knowledge displayed by the blind guide. Ralph pulled up suddenly and began to speak. "'I brought you here tonight, Geoffrey," he said, so that you might have the first lesson in the task that lies before you. "'Listen, can you hear anything?' "'I hear the roar of the sea, the waves grating on the shingle.' Yes, because we are on a level with the sea. There are deeper vaults yet, which you will see presently, and they are below the level of the sea. Our ancestors used to place their prisoners there, and by removing a kind of sluice, allowed the tide to come in and drown them. You see, those walls are damp. They were, indeed. As a wax vesta flared up, THE DRIPPING STONES AND THE LONG WHITE FUNGI GAVE THE PLACE A WEIRD APPEARANCE. THEN RALPH DROPPED SUDDENLY, EXTINGUISHED HIS MATCH, AND DREW HIS COMPANIONS BEHIND A ROW OF cupboard like TIMBERS. SOMEBODY IS COMING, HE WHISPERED. THE OTHERS COULD HEAR NOTHING, BUT THE BLIND MAN'S POWER OF HEARING WERE ABNORMAL. IT SEEMED A LONG TIME BEFORE THE SOUND OF FOOTSTEPS COULD BE HEARD. THEN A FIGURE IN WHITE, A FAIR FIGURE WITH LONG SHINING HAIR HANGING DOWN HER BACK AND carrying A TAPER CREPT DOWN THE STEPS. AN EXCLAMATION TREMBLED ON Geoffrey's LIPS, AN EXCLAMATION OF ALARM, OF ADMIRATION, OF THE UTMOST ASTONISHMENT. BUT RALPH LAID A HAND ON HIS MOUTH the figure passed into the vault beyond. "'It was Marion,' said Geoffrey in a thrilling whisper. "'And yet it did not look like Marion. "'She seemed so dreamy, so far off.' "'She was walking in her sleep,' Ralph said quietly. "'But the danger of it, the danger!' "'My dear boy, there is no danger at all.' Blind as I am, I found out this peculiarity of Marion's directly I returned. Danger to her. I would not have a hair of her head injured to save Ravenspur from destruction. Geoffrey, it is through Marion and Marion alone that we are going to solve the mystery. "'Aye,' Tchigorsky muttered. "'That is so.' Ralph raised his hand to impose silence. The soft returning footfalls were clear to the ears. Then, rigid, unbending, with dilated eyes, Marion passed the flash of the lantern behind her. "'Come,' said Ralph. "'Let us return. A good night's work, Tchigorsky.' "'Aye,' Tchigorsky murmured. A good night's work indeed! Chapter twelve